Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and today we're talking about a massive topic. We're talking about truth. Why does truth matter, especially in the culture that you and I live in? This society needs truth more today than ever, and that's why the words of Jesus in John 8 are just as relevant today as they have ever been. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Let's study these words today. Let's understand what the Bible says. Join me as we get into today's sermon on Awakened to Grace. All right, let's go to John chapter number 8 today. We are in a series called Grace and Truth. I want to welcome everyone watching online. We're so thankful you're joining us today. And uh, if, um, if it's been a little while since uh, we've been able to communicate with you, I hope that you'll, uh, I hope you'll say hi on whatever platform you're watching on. And uh, I hope that you'll let us know how to pray for you because even though there are many in our church family that is unable to be with us right now, we want you to know how much we love you and still pray for you and want to stay very, very closely connected to you. So email us this week. Let us know or call us and let us know how to pray for you and your household. And uh, let's stay together. Amen. Because God's doing some great works right now. So we're in a series called Grace and Truth. If you're a guest today, I welcome you. Maybe you've missed the last couple of weeks. Let me just uh, do a little bit of, um, of uh, catching us up here. Uh, we're, we're introducing John chapter 1, verse 14. That's where we were three weeks ago. And we saw that Jesus was not 50% grace, 50% truth. He was not... At some situations, grace toward some, and then other situations, truth toward others. No, Jesus, the Bible says, was filled with grace and truth. In other words, Jesus was 100% grace, 100% truth. We saw in week one that the world in which we live, the culture that you and I live, the society... We are in a grace-starved, truth-starved world. And they are looking to us, the representations of Jesus, the Christ followers, his disciples. They are looking to us for the grace and the truth that is in Jesus. If our lives are filled with Jesus and his word and his principles, then we too ought to be grace-filled truth-filled Christians. So week one, we talked about Christ's likeness in the balance of grace and truth. How not to be heavy in grace and lacking in truth, or heavy in truth and lacking in grace, but to be filled both with grace and truth. We saw last week, we called last week, what's so amazing about grace. We did a deep dive out of Romans 5 into what grace truly is. We defined it. We tried to get our our minds around it. We tried to explore the riches and the depths of God's grace. And what we saw last week is that God's grace really and truly is amazing. So while we focused on the amazing grace last weekend, this Sunday I want us to focus on 
absolute truth. I want us to really deep dive on what truth is. I want to answer this question this morning. Can we really and truly know truth? Because I don't know if you realize this. 34% of Americans, think about this, only 34% of our culture believes that there are absolute truths. Instead, what this culture says is that truth is what I think it is. Truth is what I feel it is. And today, I'm going to show you out of the Word of God why that's not true. So I want to answer the question, number one, can we truly know truth? Are we arrogant if we feel like we have the truth? Are we prideful if we feel like we have the truth? I'm going to show you why that's not the case. And then lastly, I'm going to answer the question, if we are able to know the truth, then what does the truth do? How does it set us free? Why do we need to be set free? And how does truth do that? So let's begin. I want to start with first, before we read our text, which is going to be John chapter 8, verses 31, 32, and 33. And before we read our text, just by way of foundation, let me lay a little foundation here. I want you to really understand why we are where we are in our culture. I don't think you would disagree. Would you agree that our society has become far more godless? We're in trouble, aren't we? How did we get... To where we are in only a few short decades. Well, let me share with you why I believe we are where we are. Many of you were alive in the 1950s. I was not born at that time yet. But you know what? I love the 1950s. I wasn't around. But let me tell you, in my head, the 1950s is where it was at. America had come Out of the Great Depression, America had come out of those roaring 20s that led to the Great Depression of the 30s and then out of World War II, out of the 40s, and America had emerged, right? But you know what was really going on in America in the 1950s that stuns me? When I had eyesight, I loved to watch the old Billy Graham crusade to the 50s. Those New York crusades and Madison Square Garden and Times Square and Yankee Stadium. But see, you know what else was going on? Not just those great Billy Graham crusades. Not only was ABC and NBC broadcasting the hour of decision from coast to coast and the gospel was flooding America. And America was so much more open to the gospel after coming out of the depression and coming out of World War II. The country was ripe. For the gospel. But see, we had a president, President Eisenhower. Do you realize that Eisenhower was led to Christ by Billy Graham before, right, right as he was running for office? And after he won the presidency, do you know that President Eisenhower was one of only two heads of states within centuries that was ever publicly baptized? Eisenhower is who began the National Day of Prayer. Did you know that? And America was on a godly trajectory. 
But what began to happen in the 1950s? Religion came under attack. We took God out of the schools, right? And that's not my soapbox today because I recognize that the same schools that allowed prayer were the same schools that would not allow black children to attend. See, we got to be grace and truth. And, and furthermore, that's why we don't erase the past. We learn from it, right? But here's my point. I'm going to go somewhere with this. I want you to follow me for a moment because I want to explain why we are where we are today, okay? In the 1950s, we began to see religion really under attack and prayer was taken out of schools and God was removed out of our school system. And so what happened? You removed, you had authority removed. God as the ultimate authority. And when the authority of God was removed and was taken out, now you fast forward into the 60s and into the 70s and what? A volatile decade the 60s were, right? And how hard were the 70s? And what happened? When God, when his authority was removed out of society, what is the next thing to go? Morality. And what happened in the 60s? The sexual revolution. And what was the sexual revolution of the 60s could have never even been thought of of what we're having seen seen done in our day today, right? So when as a society, as a culture, we remove authority out and then morality goes, then guess what is the last thing to go? Truth. And welcome to our day. Where now, see, I realize when I preach, people are not listening and saying, that's truth. People are listening saying, do I believe that? Do I agree with that? Why? Because truth is what we feel it is. Truth is what we think. Well, friends, I'm going to argue today, and I'm going to lay a case out before you today that You cannot, while you can discover truth, you cannot create it. While truth can change you, you can't change it. Anybody with me right now today? And this is a word that our culture needs to hear. Why? Because especially people growing up today, they don't understand authority has been stripped. Who are you to tell me what to believe or think? Who are you to say this or that? Authority has been stripped from us. What's the next to go? Morality. Come on now. You with me right now today? You with me right now? Because I'm just going to let loose and preach right now, okay? I want us to understand some truth. Morality has been stripped. That's why the homosexual agenda right now, do you know why it's winning in the public square? Very clever. They've taken a morality issue and they've made it a civil issue. And see, if you think that the homosexual agenda is the same as civil rights, it's not. It's not a civil 
issue. It is a moral issue. And why are so many left without? Why are we depraved of morality? Why are we stripped of morality? Because we've, re, we've removed authority. So who are you to say I'm wrong? Who are you to say God will judge me? You understand what I'm saying? We've taken out authority. The next to go is morality. To now where we are today is where is truth? Where is absolute? Because now it's this is how I feel. Therefore, it is truth. Okay. Now, let's understand. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse number 31. Look at it with me. Jesus said... So, he said to the Jews who believed in him. Now, that strikes me. I mean, that's extraordinary. Because most people didn't believe in Jesus when he was on the earth. Now, the sad thing is, if you read verse 33, what we find out is they were not genuine believers. They couldn't handle what Jesus truly had to say. Today, what we call Christians who are not authentic, who are not born again, true believers, we call them nominal Christians. You've heard that term before? Nominal Christians are in stark contrast to disciples. So notice what Jesus said. He says, so he says to the Jews who believed on him, if you abide in my word, then truly you will be my disciples. What's the difference between a disciple and a nominal Christian? A nominal Christian is someone who's a Christian in name only. They're only a Christian because they're born into it. Maybe their family is Christian. Maybe their grandparents were Christians or their parents were Christians. Maybe it's that they live in the Bible Belt or they live in this Western influence of Christianity. And therefore, I mean, you know, you're just, you're Christian. On my many trips to Egypt, the man who I traveled with the most, who was my interpreter, he shared with me one time and he's a dear friend and a dear brother, but when I first met him, I was asking him, you know, how, how did you become born again? And, you know, when did you really give your life to the Lord? And, I mean, it was just so foreign to him. And he, he told me, he said, Chad, you don't understand. I'm, I, I'm a Christian. He said, in Egypt, you're, you're either born Muslim or you're born Christian. I was born Christian. I was just born into it. No, brother, no. You must be born again. And so many in our culture today, they're Christian in name only. Why are they Christian? Because they believe in Jesus. They believe he rose from the dead. Next Sunday, this place will be flooded. Right? Because it's Easter and people believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Friends, believing does not make you born again. Do you realize that the book of James says, demons believe and tremble? but yet they've not repented. What makes you a Christ follower? What makes you born again is when you repent from your sins. And if you've never repented, then you've never been born again. So many are Christian in name only. And just like these Jews, they believe, but only because it's convenient. They're not true disciples. Which are you today? Are you a true disciple of Jesus? Okay, then Chad, what, what makes me a disciple? What would uh, A disciple is a follower of Jesus. 
A disciple of Jesus is someone who says, I'm going to take your word, I'm going to take your truth, I'm going to take your principles, I'm going to take what you say, and I'm going to base my life upon it. See, some people don't understand. Some people look at at, at the way that I preach and the way that we believe, and and they would say, you're so narrow-minded. And some would say, you're arrogant because you preach Jesus is the only way. Now, friends, think, think with me for just a moment. We don't preach Jesus is the only way because we love to feel that way. If it were up to pastors, I'll just be honest with you. If Jesus left the gospel up to pastors, let me tell you what we would do. We would come up with something way more popular to fill up our buildings. We would come up with something so appealing that everybody would want to come. But see, that's not the gospel. And it's not up to us to say what the gospel is or isn't. Amen? Come on now, you with me right now? I love what C.S. Lewis said, that brilliant mind. That brilliant mind, C.S. Lewis. You know what he said? Truth is what it is and was what it was long before I was ever born. It's a good statement. Truth is what it is. It was what it was Long before I was ever born. Whoa, what a wonderful way to think. So he tells these Jews who are not believers. They believe on him, but they're not authentic. They're not disciples. He says, if you abide in my word, then truly you'll be my disciple. So what makes you a follower of Jesus? What makes you a disciple? Jesus tells us, abiding in his word. Now, why is this so important? You abide, you you continue in, you grow in, you grow in the word of God. Peter said it like this, growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Charles Spurgeon so wonderfully said, no one ever outgrows the scripture. The book literally widens and deepens with our years. What a great statement. Do you abide in the word of God? Why is this so important? Because I want you to note John 17, 17. Jesus prayed to the Father and Jesus said, sanctify them in the truth. And listen to what he said. Your word is truth. See, my friends, when you take away truth, the only thing you're left with is a lie. When you take away truth, all that's left is a lie. And we as Christ followers, especially in this hostile culture, we better get truth right. Because let me tell you the way God's designed his gospel. The more we get truth right, the better we can narrow in on truth, the better we can hammer in, the better we can drill down on truth, the more grace we're going to have for this society and for this culture. Amen. The more grace is going to be there. I listened, I listened um, early this morning to my headlines on the news. Grace. The, the baker in Colorado who was sued a few years ago for not doing a wedding cake 
for a same-sex marriage. He won a partial victory in the Supreme Court, but he's been sued yet again this week by someone who's transgender. And I was praying for him this morning. and I mean, no doubt he's been targeted. But I was praying for him. But the Lord, the Lord just reminded me, no, Chad, listen, he, he's in the 99. He's, he's safe in the fold. Who should we be praying for? For that person who's tried to... And, and listen, I begin to pray for that person. I have no idea, don't know their name, have no idea who it is. But I begin to pray, God, what, is, what Satan is meaning for harm. What he's meaning for destruction. What he is meaning for hurt. God, would you turn it all in Jesus' name? And would this be the very experience that would bring them to salvation? In Jesus' name. See, my friends, if we are going to be filled with truth, we better be filled with grace. And you know what the truth produces? It produces more grace in our lives. Truth should not make you arrogant. Truth should not make you prideful. Truth should make you humbled. And it should produce more grace in our lives. Amen? And I began to think about this individual, whoever it is, and the battle that's in their soul. The bat, you know, I, I, I think about, I pray fervently for people who are in the throes of this confusion concerning their gender. Can I just teach for a second here? What is truth? What is grace? Truth is, for someone, listen, hear my heart right now. For someone who is the creation, to say to our creator, you made a mistake. You are wrong in what you've done. Friends, it is one of the last and great And final assaults on the authority of God. The truth is, we're the creation. He's the creator. See, C.S. Lewis, I mentioned him earlier, he argued in the book, God in the Dock. See, he says, years ago, it was God on the judge bench. It was mankind down in the dock. Today... We've reversed the order. We've put God in the dock and ourselves on the judging bench. Friends, that's the wrong order. Now, what is grace? Grace says to a precious soul who is in confusion. Now, what's truth? God is not the author of confusion. That's truth. But what is grace? Grace would say to that individual who is made in the very image of God. Truth is right is right and wrong is wrong. But grace says God understands how you feel. And God will heal you. God will help you. God will rescue you. Grace says to a person who has a hole in their heart. Who says I'm 
not right and God's made me wrong or God has messed up or whatever the case is. No, grace offers the love of Jesus. If you enjoyed today's broadcast and would like to hear more great content, you can always download our free mobile app, Awakened to Grace, where you can request prayer, find sermons, articles, blogs, music, podcasts, as well as support us financially. You can also visit either of our websites at www.preachingchristchurch.com or www.awakenedtograce.com for more information about our church or our resource ministry. Thank you for listening to Awakened to Grace.